calling all lovers of mystery and fans of a good story. If you haven't already heard me talk about June's journey, you're in for a treat. It's time to don your detective hat in this free hidden object mobile game that delves into the captivating journey of June Parker, a self-proclaimed detective on a quest to unravel the mystery surrounding her sister's untimely death. In June's journey, you get to play as June, deciphering clues and unveiling secret plots within thousands of beautifully illustrated scenes. And did I mention it's set in the glitzy 1920s? New chapters are added weekly, so you will never run out of new thrills to uncover, and you can also personalize and decorate your very own Orchid Island where the story takes place. How sharp are your detective skills? Find out when you download June's Journey on your Android or iOS device, or play online via Facebook games. Your detective journey awaits. Hey there, it's Rachel Ballinger, and I am thrilled to invite you to Rachel Uncensored, my podcast where I get real with my friends and celebrity guests, where we talk about all sorts of topics. From personal stories to hot-button issues, we cover it all. New episodes drop every Wednesday, so make sure you tune in on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you listen to podcasts. Trust me, you won't want to miss out on the fun and candid conversations we have here on Rachel Uncensored. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your Angry Neighborhood. <laughs> what is wrong? I'm so sorry. Hi, I'm Keegan. And I'm Madigan. And you're listening to Your, Your Angry, Angry Neighborhood, Neighborhood Feminist. Feminist. Thanks for joining me, Keegan. You're so welcome. <laughs> I'm sorry, you guys. This is a podcast where we explore the world through our own personal feminist perspectives. And Keegan is now with us. I'm with you. Um, You know, Madigan was like, <laughs> I'm going to say the thing today. And I was like, cool, cool. And so in my head, my job was over. My job was over. Okay. So I'm taking over from here on out. But you Keegan know what? Is not saying a thing this episode. This is the Madigan show It just now. means that I'm not competitive. <laughs> Which it sounds like you might be a little competitive, Madigan. Just like a little. I'm not competitive. I'm self-assured. Okay. <laughs> um, we are talking about women competition Today. Yes. So, you guys, if you listened to last week's mini episode, not the one that just came out this past Friday, but the one the Friday before that, um, I talked about the figure skating controversy surrounding Mariah Bell and one of the Korean skaters, uh, Yoon So Lim. And so we were trying to figure out what we were going to talk about this week, and I saw female competition on the list, and I was like, it was fresh in my mind, and I was like, we got to talk about this. Um, and I was telling Keegan before we started recording, I was like, oh, this is going to be a really conversational episode. Like, I'm not going to have that much research to do, right? Um, I was very wrong. It was funny to me because originally we were going to have to record this without a lot of time to prepare Mm -hmm. was the plan. And, um, so I was like, so pick something that's not hard to research. And you sent me that and I was like... That's going to require research. (laughs) Because in my head, I was like, we can just talk. Because honestly, if we hadn't done any research, you and I could talk about this for an hour. Yes. You know what I mean? But for me, whenever I hear female competition, like, yes, I think about the the situation that you're talking about. But to me, to me... That's a competitive situation. Because right, that, that made me think about other other reasons why women are competitive. But, but I, I think that you and I, again, could have a conversation about all those facets in an hour. As far as the psychology, though, behind yeah. why women are competitive with each other, because it is something that everybody feels. And it's actually something that's very human. It's something yes. that happens, this whole, like, intrasexual competition is something that happens both for males and for females. Yes. But I think it's an 
interesting thing and what I had um, such an interesting time um, researching this time was the difference in the ways that men compete and the ways that women compete. Very much so. And it's something that women have... Every woman, as far as I know, has yeah. felt that, has well, felt that inherent competition. And how many times have you heard where it's like, men will fist fight, women will think of more like catty, to lack sure. of better words, yeah. ways. It's more of a psychological aggression. And it's it's very fascinating to me. So women express indirect aggression toward other women, which would be a combination of uh, what New York Times' Emily uh, V. Gordon article told me, combination between self-promotion and derogation of rivals. So self-promotion is, of course, making themselves look better. Derogation of rivals is being catty about other women. And there's a lot of really interesting evolutionary psychology that I read about where, of course, when you're talking about evolution, um, you're talking a lot about very primal instincts and things like that. So they're, yeah, yeah, they're, they're... Sorry. No, oh, I was just going to say, they're theorizing that it's it's uh, a form of, like, natural selection. Right. So I read that article, the, art, the which is an amazing opinion piece that yeah. I, I do recommend. Don't agree with a lot of it. Uh, I I mean, I actually, Some I of actually it. do think the I agree with it. The feminist psychology I agree with. Um, I think I do agree with it. And you know what? Even if I don't necessarily agree with a lot of the evolutionary science, uh, as far as, like, I'm just like, fuck off. On a lot of it, it's not to say that it's without merit or not totally. valid, um, but I read that opinion piece, which is actually a very good opinion piece. I would recommend reading that. I could tell, and she even quoted in that opinion piece, Psychology Today article, mm-hmm. which I did which read. Which I also read. Yes. Which is, that one is condescending. Yes, it is. That, that. I mean, and again, I'm taking from it. I have a lot of quotes from but it in my notes. it's interesting to read about. I, I you still want to read it. I have a lot of quotes from it in my notes. Uh, I took a lot from it, and I do think that there's a lot of merit in it, yeah. but the way it was written, it was so, it was like, this is a middle-aged white man writing yeah. about women being catty to each well, other. Well, and I think this next part of my notes very much um, kind of summarizes that. So when they're talking about evolutionary psychology, they're saying that women are protecting themselves or our wombs from physical harm, and it requires indirect aggression to keep them safe while leaving the stock uh, by lowering the stock of other women. So it's talking about a very primal state of um, protecting our wombs, and therefore we want the best sperm out there. So we're going to make all the other uteruses look bad. So we're the uterus that the sperm wants, right. so, basically. So basically, the Psychology Today article did kind of open up in a way that made sense to me, where they're talking about when you think about competition, because whenever I was thinking about, before I'd done any research on this yeah. subject, when I was thinking about competition, I was thinking about it, of course, in gendered terms, because we're talking about women in competition. And I was thinking about the way that it's framed differently when women are competing with each other and when men are competing with each other, yeah. where it's almost a praised action when men are in competition with each other. Yeah, I mean, look at sports. Right. It's a very, it's yeah. something that is kind of like pushed and when, encouraged. When a hockey team, when two guys get into a fist fight, it's seen very differently than, again, to bring up this. Well, it's even allowed in hockey. They allow an amount yes, of time for instigation. It's part of it. But then so, if you look at, look at a more female-centric uh, sport, it's a very different realm when so it comes to competitiveness. The way that 
that Psychology Today article opened up actually made sense to me because Mm -hmm. they talked about how when you hear the word competition, you do align it with other words like aggression. Yeah. Um, And these are things that typically we think of as being male traits. Yeah. And how for a long time it was just seen because of social norms that women were docile Mm -hmm. and complacent and Mm -hmm. non-competitive and women, I mean, and men were highly competitive. Which we know is not true because I got really, so, you know, there are, I've said this multiple times on the show, there are times when I do research where I kind of get down a rabbit hole where I read one thing and then I Google another thing and another thing and another thing. And I mean, if you look at the feud between um, Queen Mary of Scots and Queen Elizabeth Elizabeth. I, you know, this is something that's been around for so long this um competition and how it's seen as a that was seen as such a scandal where there's competition between men in politics and things like that for so long and it's seen very well because it's deemed as being catty a catty situation and like uh, but that's the thing that's so interesting to me is that for so long up until i mean i want to say through charles darwin times and, and all of that um it was not even looked into. It was not researched at all. Any of this Until, intersexual, like, in any of this intersexual competition, which is yeah. bizarre. Because if you look at art and literature throughout the ages, I mean, mm-hmm. look at Dangerous Liaisons. Look yeah. at really any Jane Austen novel. Look yeah. at all of this has to do with this kind of subtle manipulation mm-hmm. that is at the root of it competitiveness like that's what it is there's something there is something that i have written and i like i said i have a lot of i have a lot of notes on this topic but there is something where it said it it was until like about the 80s until um psychologists started really looking at it and seeing it as being which um, makes no fucking sense it really makes no sense but again does that really surprise you with being such a male-centric uh, world that we live Science in. Science is such a male-centric field It is. As well. So, of course, yeah. they're going to be looking at it. And then when you do start looking at it in a female sense, it can very much be more of a, ter- a derogatory or um, sexist. Absolutely sexist, yeah. So, I ventured to Wikipedia, as I do, and I learned a little bit more about female intersexual competition. So. I did not read that because I knew you were going to. So I was you like, I'm get just me. leave it. <laughs> if there's a Wikipedia article, I'm going to read it and then I'm going to go off of that. So... They're saying that that is when females compete with each other over a potential mate. That is intersexual competition. So there are different variables that influence female intersexual competition, and that is genetic quality of males, ovarian hormones, hormonal variations, and interpersonal dynamics. And then there are also two modes of sexual selection. So again, this is stuff that I'm reading where I'm like, this is sexist, and I don't agree with all of it, but very fascinating at the same time. So... Well, but I also think that in I I felt the same way. Like I said, yeah. when I read that Psychology Today article, I was like, "This feels so fucking icky and like sexist to me." The way that this is being worded, and I I stand by that because I do think that this guy came into that shit with some biases. Yeah. Um. But I will also say that, and we'll get into it when we're talking about there being kind of like two minds about competition. Yeah. One of them being. Evolu- evolutionary biology and the other one being the feminist perspective yeah, on which it. Is, which is why it was interesting for me to see both sides but of I it. But I think they're both true. Yeah, I, I think agree. they're both true. And I think that they can be true simultaneously and at different times in history. So there are two modes of sexual selection. And the first one is intersexual selection, which is where members of a competitive sex appear to show off desirable characteristics in order to 
get attention of a potential mate, increasing their chances of being chosen as a mate. And then there's intrasexual selection, which is members of the same sex compete with each other for a potential mate. So and very, oftentimes very those those merge. So, they do. Right? So if you're talking about the intersectional um, sex, intersectional situation yeah. here. Um, sorry, I'm not looking at my nose. It's fine. So when you're talking about that, that is so much to do with, like, making sure you present a certain way. Mm-hmm. Um, a lot of the intrasexual aspect of it is also that. You're wanting to kind of, it's like peacocking. You're wanting yep. to one-up the women around you because you want to be deemed physically desirable. So exactly. whenever they talk about intrasexual um competition with men that they're talking about being the biggest, the strongest, the fastest, because you want to be the most appealing to women. And when they talk about women, what do women have that men want? I have this. There are self-promotion tactics. Mm -hmm. So some of our self-promotion tactics are luxury consumption and cosmetic surgery. This is what I got from Wikipedia. I did not take any notes on cosmetic surgery because I think that is a topic for another time. So I'm going to focus more on luxury consumption. So um, self-promotion tactic can be seen as self-improvement rather than an attack on competitors. Typically to use for short-term mates, these tactics promote their sexual availability. And then I wrote, what will make me look better than other women? Which is exactly what you just said. It's not so much about tearing other women down. It's about what's going to make me stand out and be better than other women, which I think all of us can relate to at some point Absolutely. And a lot of these, whether you do it consciously or not, and in fact, I consciously, because I am conscious of it, um, work against this. Because I know that it is a... Whether it's bi- biological or something that has been drilled into me by society, yeah. it is inherent in me to want yeah. to be better mm-hmm. or more attractive or whatever than other women around me. And I have to constantly work against that. Yeah, I think once I became conscious of it, I've made myself want to more so seem as someone that other women can relate to mm-hmm. rather than seeming better than them. Because right. I see, you know, I I met um, my boyfriend's bandmate's girlfriend a couple of weeks ago who's very, very shy. And I wanted to make that girl feel comfortable with the other group of girls that I know you know, not super well, but, but better. better than her. Yeah, where I wanted to make it seem like she's a part of everything. So to me, I wanted to come off much more like relatable. Right. Look, I'm the same as you. I don't want to seem like I'm better than you because I'm not. Right. And I think like that is something that is a conscious decision, though. I think yeah. that it is, I do think that it is working against everything our that evolution. Our, our biology and, yeah. and what society has told us we need to do. Yeah. Um, it, and it can sometimes be a thing where I will have to like check myself. I'm not in competition mm-hmm. with everybody in the room. Exactly. And I also think that there's a certain element of like some personalities are just more competitive than others. Yeah. And like, I think I have a fairly competitive personality. Yeah. I want to be I, the best, yeah, you know? I, I do in a lot of ways, and I think it's because how I was raised in the skating world where I have competition of skill. Um, but I don't think I've ever been the type of person... It, it took me a long time to create self-confidence where I don't think that I'm the type of person where I'm like, I'm better than you. That's something that I've had to kind of work on is um, feeling more self-acceptance and feeling like I'm good enough. Oh, I don't believe you know I mean? it. I don't believe it. I don't believe yeah. that I'm better than you. But I do think that there is something in me that is like 
There is, I want you to believe I I'm want better. you to believe that yeah. I'm great, even if I don't believe it. And yeah. it, it might be kind of a self-assurance tactic, too, where it's yeah. just like, um, which we'll get to later, but there is this whole element of being in competition with yourself. It is. And a lot of what we're saying, that's kind of the, that's kind of the moral of the story, to be honest, is a lot of this competition comes down to our own selves. So I want to talk a little bit about luxury consumption, because this is something I didn't even think about when it came to mm-hmm. female competition. So... Uh, according to Wikipedia, the best website, uh, women could be interested in luxury items to indicate attractiveness by emphasizing higher status. When purchasing attractive luxury items, women are perceived to be more attractive, younger, and flirtier than yeah. other women. Yeah. Um, women in ovulation stage of their cycle, which is their peak fertility, they say have a higher tendency to choose products to enhance attractiveness. Because bitches gotta mate. Bitches be shopping. You know, I kind of would love, because sometimes I do, like, go off the rails and, like, I'm like, why did I spend $45 on a foundation? Yeah. I would love to track that with my ovulation cycle and be like, am I buying this shit on some weird subconscious biological level? It's really weird because, okay, so I've talked a lot about the really problematic guy that I dated in my young adult years, but there was something really fascinating that I kind of learned in that experience where, um... He always, like, this is really creepy. He always kind of, like, knew when I was on my period and when I wasn't by the way that I would, like, present myself. And that he knows. And he actually calls it that and it grosses me out. Yeah. He would say, before we were even, like, really sexually active, um, he would say to me uh, when he noticed that I maybe was presenting myself differently or dressing differently. And Anthony literally calls it your body. Like, he's like, because my boobs get bigger or whatever. He's like, your body's presenting itself. And I'm like, I want to throw up right now. I literally told him he cannot say that to me ever again. I'm like, that's so fucking gross. Anthony, I love you. Don't ever say that again. Thank you very Um, much for siding with me. (laughs) Yeah, no, don't do that. But there was something, and I think it's a lot of pheromones with men too, but... um. Yeah, there's something where I feel like when I'm on my period, like, I just had a major breakout. I just finished my period. I'm breaking out. I'm bloated. I don't feel great about myself. So that's when my, like, quote-unquote self-care kind of, like, skyrockets where I'm like, I'm going to make myself look as cute as I can while being as comfortable as I can because cramps. Two, I still want to be attractive to myself like I still want to look in the mirror and feel good about myself even though I feel so fucking shitty um so I feel like that really makes sense to me and not so much in a mating way like they're saying it but more in a way of like self-love <laughs> sure self-care because you're not buying foundation for Anthony you've already fucking got him you're getting married no to him. no you know and, what I mean? and it's not that but I do think that there is something to be said for like if it was up if it was just about Anthony you know i I could leave the house looking however. It wouldn't yeah, really exactly. matter. Um, but I will say, and I'm being completely honest, like, I will say, I don't think it, I think I would be lying to myself if I said it was 100, 100% for myself. I don't A think that A lot of sites will say, like, we don't dress for you men, we dress for other women. Well, I think it's, I dress for everyone. Yeah. Like, I think I do dress for myself because it makes me feel better. But I think I would be lying to myself if I said it's 100% because of me and it makes me feel better. I think that there is something to be said for feeling like I do want other people, whether yeah. that be women or men, Although to look I at me say, and when, think I look good. So I was not single very long between my two relationships. But, like, I find myself being more... 
um, picky about the outfits that I have on when I'm going to be around other women that I know and want to impress and I want them to like me. Sure, yes. More than men. Yeah. Like, when I went out with my first date on Ma with Max, I was wearing what I wore to work. Like, I was wearing my mom jeans and a sweater. I wasn't wearing anything that was, like, out of the ordinary for me. But I find when I'm meeting up with other women, I think about what their aesthetic is or what, like, what's going to make me seem the most me when I'm out. Like, it's, it's, a, it's more of a thought process where with men I'm kind of like well, I could just kind of wear whatever like it's sure. not gonna matter like I want to look good but I, it's not as much of a thought process for me personally I think if I was single it would be for me I think that I would care I think I would care <laughs> yeah you know um but so let's look at it from the perspective of like Obviously, we care about what other women think about us. Yeah. And there is something kind of inherent, I think, in a lot of women, maybe not all women, when you get into a group of other women wanting to feel at least as pretty as they are. Well, you and know I what think I mean? it's because you don't, all, you don't necessarily just want to feel as pretty as them, but you want to be accepted by that group. Exactly. And I yes. think that without realizing it, you know, I'm one of those people where I always joke about how I don't know how to be anything other than myself. But there are different facets of myself. And that's something for me where it's like I want to, more than anything, I want to fit in with the females around me. Because I want to be accepted. And I wonder if it's because I wasn't accepted by women for a lot of my life. I felt that competition very heavily. Um, that now especially, like, I want women to like me. I want to be accepted into those groups. Well, let's talk about that a little bit. So feeling like you're not accepted by women. So mm -hmm. this is something that I do feel like the New York Times article did a good job of. Mm -hmm. And something that um, I related to entirely. Which is feeling like... If I can't be the prettiest or most desirable woman in my group of friends or in the school or whatever, mm -hmm. or I'm outcasted for whatever reason, um, she describes being bigger and taller than the other girls in, yeah. in her school. And for me, it was like, I was weird and I was, I was black and I yeah. was like all of these things that made me different and in some ways undesirable to the men around me and even sometimes... I think this was more in my head than anything else because the people wanted to you. be friends with me. Yeah. Um, but it was hard because... But because you you were able to pinpoint your differences that you were able to see where maybe those people wouldn't accept you. And it was really valid. It was more even like, why? Like, I was mm -hmm. kind of like, with the women more than the men, I was like, why? I, I was skeptical Agreed. of why they would want to be friends with me. So Agreed. what 100%. I did in, entirely was just be like you know what, I'm going to drop these girls and just be a guy's girl. And so that's what I did. And I was like, yeah. I'm going to be a guy's girl. And I did exactly what she did in the article, which is kind of like go through and be like, you know, I feel bad for other girls who feel like they need all that attention. And yeah. they need, when in reality, I felt an innate competition with them. And I felt like I wasn't good enough for yeah, that. I, I just remember growing up... Um, Never having your friends at school, especially, and never being accepted by my classmates, specifically my female classmates. When I was young, I remember having some really great friends, but especially, like, late grade school, middle school, um... I remember, I mean, we've talked, we talked about this in our, in our crazy female hysterical women episode that I was boy crazy. Like I wanted boys to find me attractive, but more than me wanting to have boys find me attractive in some way, I wanted to feel accepted by my peers, my peers being women. And I never felt like whatever I did could measure up 
to them. And my, my bullying issues in school were based on the girls around me. They were not based on the men. They would use men as a tactic of ways to humiliate me. Like I had girls who convinced this guy to call me and say he liked me and this whole thing only to turn around, turn it around on me to humiliate me. Right. And all I wanted was, even though these women were horrible to me, these girls were horrible to me, I still wanted to feel accepted by them. Yeah, you want their acceptance. Yeah. Yeah, And I think that's something that we carry with us for so long. And I think that's a, a lot of a big reason why we do feel the need to be a guy's girl. Because yeah, maybe it, you feel maybe, safer. Yeah, maybe yeah. this other demographic will accept me because I'm cool, but I'm a girl, and they might think I'm hot. Right. There's I can all get that kind yeah, of. Yeah, you can get all of it, so you can get that validation from being yeah. desirable because you're the only girl in the group. Mm-hmm. You know, while also feeling like maybe you can be a little bit more accepted because the yeah. other things that matter to girls don't matter so much. Well, in and, that group, and that brings up kind of the next thing that I wanted to talk about, which is um, female derogation, which is um, kind of the opposite of uh, self-promotion tactics. So female derogation is like an indirect aggression where females attempt to reduce the perceived value of another female quote-unquote rival. So this is something uh, that is a big thing with competition and uh, among women, and I think that's slut-shaming. Yeah, oh, absolutely. Um... Like, females will, if they are interested in a guy, but the guy kind of likes another girl, by making them seem more promiscuous or ruining their reputation, it kind of brings up your chances because, one, you're the person that brought it up to them, and, two, you're showing, you're in turn thinking that you're showing them that you're not like that. Right. That you would be the better mate. Yes. And so in that Psychology Today article, there is a quote Mm -hmm. in it that says, A central arena for competition between females is sexual behavior itself. Studies show that women tend to criticize and reject other women who are viewed by them as sexually promiscuous. Mm -hmm. You are more likely to reject someone who you see as permissive, and you're more likely to steer other people away from her. And they're saying that this is... And again, take this for as a grain of salt. I don't think any of us are fucking battling it out in arenas right. over, like, mates anymore. Um, maybe on the Maury show, but in general. <laughs> but but it is something to be said that, like, maybe on a subconscious level, you can say, I'm... Any, any way that I think people, but women in particular, since that's what we're talking about, can find to say, I'm not like her, and that makes me better. And I think that's a big thing that, especially being in a relationship now with somebody where both of us had long-term relationships before we got together, where I've I've felt that when he'll talk about his ex or I'll talk about my ex and he has right you sit up a little straighter and you're you know prickles on your back go yeah you hear about these things and you're like well I would never do that you know and I've made it a very conscious effort to say and because I and not just because I I'm playing it I want to hear the good stuff too you know what I mean like I want to hear why that person made you happy because I want to also make you happy like I don't want to just hear about the bad things but I think that men also play that up a lot especially in relationships where it's like she was crazy she was this like what we talked about and you're so much better and then you get this inflated self of like oh I am so much better yeah yeah and but you know I think that the older I get I I feel this way about my own exes I definitely definitely feel this way about Anthony's exes where I'm just like I try to look at things from the other 
person's perspective because mm-hmm. every relationship is going to have two stories and nobody is altogether bad or good. Exactly. Um, so I, I definitely try and like come from that perspective yeah. in general. It's interesting because, you know, in the beginning of this episode, we talked a little bit about the differences between male and female aggression, where we think of men having like a lot of fist fights and things like that. And we talk about women having more um, conniving psychological tactics. It's Mean Girls. It's it the is movie Mean Girls. Totally Mean Girls. So um, I read that 89% of British schoolgirls said that they had been involved in a fight, which I'm, I'm thinking is physical. Physical fight. Yeah. And they'd been involved in a fight. And 46% reported that the fights were attacks on personal integrity related to promiscuity and gossiping. And that is something that I've not necessarily experienced personally, but I've witnessed happening a lot. I was a prude in high school. It's not like people were calling me a slut. Absolutely. Um, But I, I remember hearing a lot of things about, we had a lot of pregnant girls in my high school. That was a very, very common thing. Or um, there were the girls that you knew got around. Like, it was something that I heard a lot, and they were seen as less than because of that. And I wish I could go back because to my younger self. Because your worth is tied up in your um, and it's virginity, all, because that that's a patriarchal standard. I was just going to yeah. say, it's patriarchal. And that's what I found so interesting about the feminist psychology of all of this. And it really is all about internalizing the patriarchy. So there's this guy named Noam Spencer. Um, yes. Hold on. I have his... From Psychology Today? Yes. How do you say his last name? I have it in here. It's Spanser. Oh, Spanser. Yes. Noam Spanser. Yes. So, which I was like, okay, Spanser. Fantastic. <laughs> so he says, as women come to consider being prized by men, their ultimate source of strength, worth, achievement, and identity, they are compelled to battle other women for the prize. Yes. Research tells us that women are compelled to level the playing field by any means necessary to have access to the best genetic material. Again, that's kind of going more back to the evolutionary psychology. So are we really competing with other women? Or are we competing with ourselves well even before we get into competing with ourselves Mm -hmm. if we continue on with feminist psychology in talking about um in relation to competitiveness right so you have essentially two distinct schools of thought on this Mm -hmm. you have the biological evolutionary perspective and then you have the feminist perspective yeah and uh, feminist psychology argues that competition among females is driven primarily not by biological imperatives but rather by social mechanisms yeah which is something that we have talked about many times on the show yeah they they, Um, and i believe they internalize the male or we internalize the male perspective yes we internalize the male gaze yeah we um society has been built this way mm-hmm. for since the beginning of time it's yeah. been built this way and so it would be impossible to not take in that and internalize that and has that played into our evolution has that played into our biology i think yeah. that both things are true so um it says according to this argument cutthroat female competition is due mainly to the fact that women born and raised in male dominated societies internalize the male perspective, the male gaze, and adopt it as their own. So I'm kind of a bit of a psychology nerd, 
And I've read a lot about false consciousness and a lot of other ways, but it was interesting for me to read about false consciousness in this aspect. So false consciousness is a way of thinking that presents a person from perceiving the true nature of their social or economic situation. So women do not see that the real threat to achievement, power, value, and identity are not the other women, but the male establishment that controls their lives. Right. We need which to is basically bond what we just and said. take the patriarchy down together. Exactly. But yeah. it's taken us how many fucking years to realize that? And, I think and we're now, still not there. No, we're not. But I think that we're, I think that it's finally at least being addressed mm-hmm. in, in the media and in a lot of different ways. Um... And this Psychology Today article also said that female competition produces much of the stress that interferes with our happiness. Yeah. Um, And I completely agree with that. I think that there's something very important about wanting to be accepted by people like you. Even if there are different race, sexuality, different things like that. There's something about female friendship and being accepted by your fellow woman that I think is so special. I've had this conversation a lot with my female friends because I do have very close female friendships now, and um, I didn't always. Like I mm-hmm. said, I was a guy's girl, and I prided myself on that. Yeah. And even when, just like she says in the article, even when other girls would come into the group who were my best girlfriends and loved them dearly, best, best friends, there was still, because it's just the two of us, there was still an element of competition because it's the two of us and all of these guys, you know? And so while I love and value my male friendships so, so, so much, like, I love my male friends. I agree. It is different. It is different having close female friendships. Mm-hmm. Um, it means something different. It does. Well, and they say in this article as well, they say that female self-worth is mainly carried by their friends' opinions of them. And I think that that is very correct. I mean, I think that, you know, I care, I I worry and have more anxiety over um, what the close females in my life think of me over what a romantic partner. I absolutely, absolutely. I like if I ever think you're mad at me or if I ever think like another girlfriend is mad at me, like that means more to me than, or, I mean, even from a, a positive perspective, Yeah. if, if it's just me and Anthony who, you know, I love and appreciate very much, but if he is telling me you're beautiful and you're wonderful, it's like, okay, yeah, thanks. Yeah. But it's knowing that my female friends think that about me. That's that's what really matters. Like it's like that's what resonates with me. Because we're not we're not we're not made to think that way. We're not made to think of other women building other women up. So when we hear those compliments from other women who are our friends, like we take it more seriously. And you know, as a society that's so clear in the in that article they were talking about how you see it so often with women in the public sphere, like Beyonce or Taylor Swift. Anything. Oh, I have a whole thing about female feuds in here that we can get right, to. Right, well, eventually. I'm not talking about female no, feuds. I'm saying like, eventually. Um, <laughs> like, when you're talking about Beyonce and Taylor Swift and, like, these women, literally all they had to do was be like, I like other women sometimes. And we were like, feminist hero. Woo! Oh, my God, feminist icon Taylor Swift likes hanging out with women. So Crazy. She's not always mean to ladies, so she must be a feminist hero. Yeah. You know what I mean? But that is what... what how society sees it. We're so used to yeah. cat fights. We're so used, we're, we're so accustomed to seeing women fighting with each other. And that's the thing that's promoted. How long 
Have, did they talk about fucking Jennifer Aniston and Angelina Jolie? How mm-hmm. long did they push that narrative of cat fights? You know, and we're so we're so not used to seeing women yeah. getting along. Should we talk about some cat fights real quick before sure. we go back to some other stuff? Yes. Okay, because again, I told you, I go down a rabbit hole where one thing leads to another. So, I read this Refinery29 article, and there's this woman, Dr. Martha Loz- Lozen. Don't know. Who is the director for the Center of the Study of Women in Television and Film. She says, pitting women against women and encouraging women to distrust one another has been a deeply embedded feature of our culture. There are so many examples of these portrayals. They are almost transparent from women, from the movie Women, she's saying, to our best friend's wedding. We're so used to seeing these stories, we don't even think about them. They're like the air we breathe. And then she goes on to say, individuals who tell our stories shape and control our culture. If we are bombarded with stories of women fighting it out, that becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy. And honestly, can you blame them? When we only seem to be able to allot space for one woman at a time in the spotlight. There's a really good example of this with um, Cardi B just won the yep. uh, award for Best Rap Artist. And people went bananas because or and it was really BET leading the charge. BET yeah. led the charge, wrote a whole article on how Nicki Minaj has never won that. Yeah. And um it was kind of appalling and a lot of people really talked about it from the perspective of like this is fucking sexist and ridiculous because Look at uh, here's the list of male rappers who have never won um, the Grammy for best rap artist. Tupac yeah. has never won the Grammy for best rap artist, and this only only ever happens when it's women because there can only be one. There yep. can only be one successful woman at the top, and mm-hmm. everybody else uh, doesn't matter. And yeah. like that's so fucked up. Yeah, and that's where we kind of get into a lot of like our female feuds you know it's funny that my thought process going into this episode was about the most recent figure skating scandal because this refinery 29 episode was about or um article was about tanya harding and nancy kerrigan and i tanya because um, you had the madonna and the whore right exactly and so they're saying with tanya versus nancy tanya wore a bullseye because pity Um, pitting powerful women against each other is an easy way to control them. Assertive women who don't play by the rules, Tanya, present a threat to the order of things. Playing on a narrative that plays them against each other is a way to take away their autonomy. Yeah. And that was something that I... I've thought about and realized, but never like really understood, is about taking away women's autonomy when we're talking about these cat fights or these female feuds. They don't become... They're not their own people anymore. They're because they're be part of something a feud. This a part of something bigger. Does that make well, sense? and they become stereotypes. So yeah. it didn't matter who Nancy Kerrigan was. It didn't matter because she was the Madonna. Yeah. It didn't matter who Tanya Harding was because she was the whore, and that was it. But the fact that Nancy Kerrigan was like the all-American sweetheart figure skater and yes, Tanya Harding was... but she wasn't, was... though, you know, because then she got dropped just as fucking quickly because That's she true. complained about being at Disneyland yeah. because she wasn't perfect. Yeah. So she completely lost... Like, that matters, too. It's like... But it was more the way the public perceived her at the time of the feud, but that not took who away, she really But was. that took away her autonomy, too. It, it took did. away her ability to be a person. Yeah, like you say Nancy Kerrigan, you think of the whole controversy. You don't think right. of her it, as being What it an did athlete. was a disservice to both of them by mm-hmm. putting them in competition with each other and 
pitting them against each other in this Madonna whore complex, yeah. it took away both of their agency. It did. And and made them into not people. Yeah, and it, 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 the next uh, few that was brought up in this article was Kim Kardashian versus Taylor Swift, and there's a lot of twi- Taylor Swift feuds. She's got a lot of feuds, I know, which is what's so funny about like the fact that she is kind of heralded as being like, girl squad, girl gang, yeah. fucking, I'm here for women, because it's like, well, it's, there's a lot of feuds, too. But it's interesting, because she's the most image-conscious celebrity that I can think of. For real. Like, she is, she orchestrates her image more than she works on her music. Yeah. You know what I mean? Like, that is her thing. Like, it's it's all about her image and how she is portrayed in the media. And she, on paper, did everything right. She really did. And she, this article says, image-conscious Swift would never allow Kanye to refer to her as a bitch. Then Kim showed the receipts and we ate it up. So, basically... She was kind of like, yeah, that, you know, um, of course you guys remember the feud. She's like, yeah, of course it's cool that you say this line in this song or whatever. And then she turned her back and said, no, it's not okay. I never okayed that. And then Kim showed the video where she okayed it because Taylor is so used to having her own. Um, well, you know, my, yeah, you know ownership. my issues with Taylor Swift. Yeah, but she's so used to having her own, like, ownership over her image that having it shifted by another artist was something that she just, like, couldn't handle. Well, and it's beyond that. It's, it, you know, I enjoy Taylor Swift, and we had a whole episode talking about yeah. her. But for me, like, that was also her playing on her Madonna-ness. And totally. that was her playing on her whiteness. And exactly. her being like, I can play the victim in this situation with a black man. Yep. Um, and so in that regard, as much as I'm annoyed by um, Kim Kardashian, and I think that the Kardashians have done a lot of like net negative yeah. in, in our society... I don't blame her. Like, I don't blame Kim Kardashian. I don't blame her either because she's like, no, 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 what you're saying That's is my husband wrong. and you can't do that. Exactly. Mm-hmm. So this article said, Swift is a woman who has aggressively policed her own image, yet fell prey to the forces that seek to take women down a notch to control them. So this, I think this article was very much like pro-Taylor Swift, which was interesting to read um, because I, I, I'm not here to say I'm pro-Taylor or pro-Kanye or pro-Kim in this situation because honestly, I just don't care. Well, enough. it's petty. It's stupid it's exactly that's what i'm saying but you know taylor taylor started it though like that's the thing is like if you you didn't have to say anything yeah to say anything yeah and i i do believe that she has again if we're going to talk about taylor swift i do believe she's done a lot of good but i also believe that at the end of the day she is very much um worried about her own image and that is why she's had so many feuds that's why the whole Katy perry bad blood thing do you know the song better than revenge i'm sure i've heard it it's from her Speak Now album, and it's all about uh, the girl that quote-unquote stole Joe Jonas away from her, and how she goes, um, she's an actress, she's better known for the things oh, she does, does on, on the, the mattress. mattress. Yeah, I, I will say, uh, Taylor Swift's an interesting, and again, we did a whole episode on this, so if you guys want to go listen to that, um, yeah. we have a Problematic Faves episode, so go listen to it, um, but uh, she's an interesting character to me, because when we're talking about female competition... She's really advocated for female competition. She has. Often. While at the same time had a girl squad. And she, uh, there was an Elle magazine article about her recently where she talks about how she wasn't accepted by women. So when she was accepted by women, she wanted to show it but up. But I fucking feel that, though. Like, that's what I was I about to too. say. Is like, like in, I get it. No, I mean, I get it. But more than that, like, 
I feel that when I'm listening to her music. Like, I almost just said that, where it's just like, I feel like when she's attacking other women in her music, which she does yeah, often, and I feel like when she's doing that, it feels to me like it's coming from a place of insecurity. It is. Like, that's what it feels like. Because aren't, when, when we feel intimidated... Isn't that we on go us? on the attack? Of course, Isn't yeah. That on us we feel best in, feeling insecure into a corner, and we lash out instead of dealing with it in a healthy way, which is to st- step back, exactly examine that you are not in competition with that person. Yep, you don't you don't need to be in competition. And you know what? The thing that I love that my um, friend Cassie, who also co-hosts my worst date mm-hmm. with me. She likes to say, um, whenever we go to podcast lunch lunches or we meet other women or we try and include other women whenever we're doing things for podcasting, it's that there's enough room at the top for everybody. Yeah. Like, it doesn't have to be a competition. Well, and there really is this sort of thing where it's like, when one succeeds, we all succeed. Yeah, you don't need to take other women down because guess what? We can all succeed. There's yeah. enough There's enough room at the top for everybody. Exactly. You know, like, and that's the thing that I think we need to come to terms with is, mm-hmm. like, there's no reason to be fighting with other women. Yeah. They're not your competition. And that is something that I think that, uh, for me, I can't speak for everyone, is innately in me to feel competitive in a way. And it's something that I remind myself of a lot is uh-huh. that I would rather, and I truly believe this, I would rather see a woman succeed in something that I believe in and feel passionate about than just have me succeed in something just because of it's me. You know what I mean? Like, does that make sense? And again, I do feel there's something in me innately that my first instinct is to compete. My first instinct is like, I want to be the best. I want to be better. Um, But it's something that you work on. It's something that you have to be conscious of. And it's something that I am conscious of all the time. My first thought might be, I want to be the best. Yeah. I want to compete with this person. But I check myself. And I try and check myself every fucking time. Uh-huh. Because you don't need to compete with other people. And you don't need to compete with other women. Yeah. There's something really interesting that I read about a long time ago because... Um, Sometimes we have really, really ugly thoughts and we have thoughts that we don't agree with. And I would beat myself up about it. And I remember reading this thing and I don't remember the direct quote. This wasn't part of my notes or planned at all. But it was something where it's like, um, it's not about the first thought that pops into your head. It's about the argument that you have with that thought. Right. And because sometimes we do think things that we don't agree with, and that's just sometimes nature taking over or having it's your a bad con- thought. It's your conditioning. It's your conditioning. I think your first thought is always what you've been conditioned to think, right? Yeah, and it's it's the thought that we fight back against that. That's who you are. That's who you are. Yeah. And that I used to, I, I'm a per- I was raised Catholic, guys. I'm a guilty, guilty feeling person. And I would think horrible, horrible things, and then I would have that second thought, but I I'd be like, but I thought that thing first. So that I mean, makes me yes, a bad person. But uh, that's something you have to be fucking easy with yourself about. Like, yeah. I, uh, I, <laughs> I'm a work in progress all the time, yeah. every moment of every Same. fucking day. And like, I check myself on these thoughts of competitiveness and I also go easy on myself on negative thoughts that I have because I'm a human being. Yeah, like, it doesn't help to beat yourself up about it. That's not accomplishing your right. goal. Right, you're a person. Yeah, by you making yourself feel bad, that's not bettering yourself. Um, that's something I've learned about struggling with anxiety my whole life. Right. Um, let's talk a little bit about women comp- competing in work. 
in the oh, workforce. Sure. So women make up 49% of the workforce and 50% of college population, which I was like, Whoa. Yeah, women are on the come up. Yeah. Yep. So after years of fighting for the rights that men have, women are vying for the positions to be the top influencers. So there is something called covert competition, which is winning by putting the other person down. Um, so here are some examples of that. These. This is from Amanet, Amanet.org. Uh, their examples are when Joyce got a promotion, her coworker remarked, "Wow, how did you pull that off?" Tracy is stunned to discover that her employee failed to give her important messages from a top client. And then they say today's professional women must find a way to s- successfully navigate the competitive feelings and actions of other women as well as manage their own responses. And they say it's best not to react to female col- colleagues' negative behavior when our nature tells us to counterattack. And it's better to approach the behavior with a professional and not personal perspective, which is something that's very hard for me um, because I take everything very personally. Yeah. So especially in the workforce... When somebody is critiquing me, um, I am the person who will immediately jump to a personal attack instead of it being a professional attack. But that was something, and I, 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 I included these examples because I've had both of these things kind of happen to me, and I take them very personally, and so I want to react to them personally. And I thought it was really great that this article talked about ways to react to those things Um in a better way, instead of having it be a negative way. They say, it's best not to react to a female colleague's negative behavior when our nature tells us to counterattack. And like I said, and so it's better to kind of take the Michelle Obama, when you go low, I go high Mm -hmm. situation. And they also talk about the power in this article of female friendship in the workforce, which is something that mm-hmm. you've definitely discussed with me because mm-hmm. I don't work in an office setting. It's very different for me. But um, they say that when the chemistry is right, two women can combine their talents for tremendous results. And a lot of times women typically want to become friends with other women where men right. sometimes it's not so much about and- as we've already friends. discussed, there's power in female friendship. There yeah. really, really is. And I don't know how to explain it. And I'm not a man who has male-on-male friendships, so I can't comment on that. Yeah. But from an—and I think that men have wonderful, beautiful, fantastic friendships. Agreed. But from the outside looking in, I think that there is something very, very, very special about female friendships. And so I think if you take that and you put it in a work setting, mm-hmm. it can be— magical like it can totally. be incredible Again, when the chemistry is right you know what right. i mean like there are times where just like anybody when you don't agree with each other or you don't see eye to eye where you know you're not going to get as much work done. i have seen female friendships do more in an office setting than i've ever seen two men do in an office setting together yeah. i i've seen more of that because i think it's i think part of it is because we are in general because of societal you know things or because of uh, evolutionary things, biology or whatever, like, we are in general more emotional, and Mm -hmm. we do take things more personally. We're very empathetic, too, though, where we understand the other woman. We take things more personally, so when we have that bond, it leads over, whereas when I've seen male friendships in the office, they're real friendships, but 
I feel like they make a much stronger delineation or line between friendship and business. I agree. Whereas women can do this wonderful, magical thing where they have friendship and business, and it works. Oh my god, are you talking about us? Oh my gosh, so much. <laughs> no, <laughs> you know, I was the whole time you were saying that. I was just kind of thinking about it, where it's like... You know, I've I've never felt like in any way that I was in any sort of... I mean, because we're, we're doing a show together. There's no competition. Our success is both of our successes. Um, but it's the first time that I've ever really worked with um, another woman on this kind of scale. And I've seen how both of our ideas and perspectives have kind of made something really great. And I see it in your other show, too, where mm-hmm. it's like it's all very female-centric. And a lot of um, the things that we do with meeting with fellow fellow female podcasters and wanting to become um closer friends with them you know something in la that's used a lot is like networking right and i hate that word um because i feel like something that we really strive to do is to uh create relationships with the people with other people and create friendships with them and have that be something that builds into a business relationship but because you have that personal connection it melds into that professional lifestyle. You know what I mean? Right. Absolutely. I agree. I agree completely. Yeah. Um, but you know, something that's, that I'd like to like speak on a little bit about competition in the workplace Mm -hmm. as far as, um, we talked a little bit about there can only be one, right? There can only be one at the top when it comes to, to women. And I feel like you see that a lot in the workplace. And I see, I feel like you see that a lot in, Um, office settings in particular. And while I think oftentimes female friendships, you try and lift each other up, you try and take the other person with you when you're moving forward Mm -hmm. because you value the friendship so much. Um, And I think that that's true. However, like I do think like when people are moving up, I am in, and I, I, I won't say what I do, but like I am in a lot of meetings, a lot of meetings for like TV shows with producers and editors and show creators and all of these things. And I will say there are more women in those rooms than there are men. But the person at the top is always a white man. Yeah. Always a white man. <laughs> it's always a man. Yeah. Um, and on the rare occasion that you do see a woman at the top, it's like one woman. Mm-hmm. And I feel like that is the case. It's like there, there can only be one. There can only be one powerful woman in this office Yeah. <laughs> whenever there are... 50 men, well, you know? That's the, that's the patriarchal way that it is set up to be. It's like, it's like they are the exception to the rule. Right. I mean, and, you know what and, I mean? and in that way, it discourages genuine female friendship because you know that at some point there can only be one of you who's yeah. going to be successful. So yeah, you're going to have to step on that person to yeah. get ahead. And that's messed up and it shouldn't be that way. I agree. And, but it's interesting how when we look at evolutionary psychology and feminist psychology, it's interesting how both work together in a way where it, it both boils down to a very patriarchal system where it comes to evolutionary psychology about wanting to find a mate, having babies, wanting to be seen as the most fertile, things like that. But then if you turn it on a feminist psychology base where we are so inherently 
um, condition condition to have such a patriarchal stance yeah. on things where, again, that evolutionary psychology is so embedded in us, not just when it comes to finding a mate, but, but by survival, yeah. whether that be in your career, in your friendships, in your relationships, things like that, where I think it's important for all of us to be very, very conscious about when we feel competitive, when we feel less than, when we feel like we're not good enough compared to other women, where that's coming from. Because... Truly, when one woman succeeds, we are all succeeding. Right, because that person's going to open the door for people underneath her, right? Exactly. They, they always talk about, especially if we're talking business, like, it's part of the reason why it's harder for women to get ahead is because it is innate in us that we want to see people like us succeed. So if people well, who are... Because we have to be the first. Right, we so, never had a female president. So like, if people are all white, older men who are in power... They are going to mentor people that remind them of a young them, which means they're pulling up from the trenches more white men. Yeah. (laughs) You know, we need women to succeed. You should want the woman next to you to be successful because that means success for everybody. Like, it really does. And Because there are a lot of those great women out there who will not see their uh, place of stature as being threatened by someone coming up, but instead, like the white men before them, taking the white men below them and mentoring them to the top, a lot of times we have to believe that there are going to be those women who will see those people who want to be like them and be like, let me train you and help you. Let me take you under my wing. Exactly. To make sure that my legacy is continued. Right. I mean, yeah, yeah. And so just something to keep in mind, whenever you feel like lashing out at someone, because you feel insecure, uh, especially other women, Mm -hmm. because you feel insecure. I think about them. I mean, honestly, I've been thinking about the movie Mean Girls this entire time. Mm -hmm. When you feel like, like behaving that way because it's coming from a place of insecurity, stop before you say anything, Mm -hmm. take a step back, look at your behavior and just think it through like a little bit, see where it's coming from. And then move forward. And with that's that. why it's under it. That that's why it's important to understand our history and our psychology because and to be introspective. It is because well, but if we didn't have the history before us, we wouldn't be able to be introspective and realize why maybe we have a certain natural um, inclination yeah. to behave a certain way. Yeah, and we don't have to give into that. That's that you know our biology, our nature doesn't mean that that's the way that we have to be. And I think that that's something about. Um, being a feminist that's really prevalent is yeah. that we are able to see different sides to every story. Yeah, and um, I just wanted to kind of, and, and you were starting to talk about it before I went back to talking about um, feminist uh, psychology, but just to kind of close this out, let's talk about, this is the very last paragraph of that um, opinion piece in the New York Times, and mm-hmm. it says, We aren't competing with other women, ultimately, but with ourselves, with how we think of ourselves. For many of us, we look at other women and see, instead, a version of ourselves that is better, prettier, smarter, something more. We don't see the other woman at all. It's a funhouse mirror that reflects an accurate version of who we are, but we turn on her anyway, because it's easier. We don't need to lower the stock of other women, either for the future of our species or for our own psyches. When we each focus on being the dominant force in our own universe rather than invading other universes, we all win. Yeah. And I loved that. I thought that she I ended know, that. I know. I wrote that down, too. <laughs> so, so perfectly because yeah. it was just like, that is exactly what it is. But how often are you, like, waiting in line at Starbucks and you see another girl and you're like, she's fucking cool. 
I want to be like her. Well, I mean, I do it, I do it scrolling through Instagram every fucking day. Yeah, I have a whole thing like, about oh, media, I'm too. I'm fucking worthless because yeah. look at these well, beautiful people. And that's the thing is that we used to only compare each other to the people we'd see in line at Starbucks and the people in our neighborhoods. Now we have social media where we can compare each ourselves to everybody in the world. All the time, every and day. And it's made us feel fucking worthless and it's made that competition grow into something completely different where I've... I've very consciously tried to switch that mindset instead of being jealous of that person, admiring that person. Right. Yes, queen. You know? Yes, queen. Exactly. Get it, I see get a girl it, with cool purple hair. I'm like, who did your hair? Post that selfie. You look fierce. Can do I have it. that num- the number of the girl who did your hair? Your nails are amazing. I'm going to do the same thing. Absolutely. And honestly, when I have other women come up to me and say that shit to me. Makes my day. Makes my day day your Mm. nails are pretty your shirt looks cool where'd you get your shoes i'm like oh my god you notice me thank you like that shit is amazing well i mean and that's the truth and that's something to keep in mind as well and we're coming to the end of this episode but but really that is something to keep in mind is that while you are out there comparing yourself to someone else someone else is comparing themselves to you and they think that you're the fucking best yeah so look at yourself through that perspective like you know someone else thinks that your life is the tits dude like so so, like, look at yourself that way. Keegan, I think you're the best. Oh, my God. Thank you so much. You're the best, too. <laughs> oh, my God. Stop. You know I'm not. <laughs> you guys, thank you so much for listening. That went by fast it, to me. It did. That did not seem like an hour to me at all. We're that good. Whew. We must be getting good at this thing. <laughs> we must be awesome. You guys, thank you so much for listening. Um, We would love to hear your stories about maybe when you felt a little bit competitive with other women and how maybe you've prevented that or maybe you've given into that. You know, we want to hear both sides of the story. Um, If you want to send us sister solidarity stories, motherhood stories, coming out stories, fatherhood stories, listener mail, anything that you want to, like, bounce off of us, feel free to email us at neighborhoodfeminist at gmail.com. You can follow us or direct message us on Instagram at angryneighborhoodfeminist. Feel free to follow us on Twitter. It is at Yamf Podcast. Y-A-N-F Podcast. You didn't harmonize this I'm so time. sorry. I'm too tired. <laughs> I know. I'm getting tired, too. Um, you can also find us on Facebook. We have a group page where you can connect with your fellow feminists. We also have a business page where you can feel free to leave us a review and like us, which would be swell. You can also leave us a review on apple Podcasts, which makes our fucking day uh also i mentioned it in the mini episode i mentioned it again please listen to us on radio public it's a free way for you to help us out in some way with our business um it really means a lot it's a great app it's a great way to listen to us and we really really appreciate it uh with all that being said we encourage you to to rage on. on bye Hey there, this is Justin Bartha. I made a funny new podcast, King of the Egg Cream. It has the greatest cast in the history of podcasts with actors like Louis Black. I'm torn by my feelings for two women. Bobby Cannavale. You can eat it, or if someone hits you, you can put it on your cut. Melanie Linsky. I wonder what these marvelous things are that look just like boiled chicken feet. Jason Ritter. I can break things and pick locks and kill people. Michael Stuhlbarg. The whole point is to inspire people that they should make themselves better. Ari Grainer. No, don't whet its appetite. What are you, an idiot? Me, Justin Martha. That's not just any egg cream, that's a Lemke's special. And all narrated by the hilarious Richard Kind. This is the story of Harry Dalowitz. And how he rose from nothing. 
to become New York's King of the Egg Cream. So if you like funny true stories, come listen to King of the Egg Cream, available wherever you get your podcasts.